Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here and with us. Lord, I ask that you would come and draw close to each and every one of us, that you would surround us with a profound sense of your love and your grace. Be before us this evening, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your, for your scriptures. We thank you for uh, the way we get to, to ask questions of it the way we get to wrestle with it. And we thank you for the way that it, that it so often meets us exactly where we're at. Lord, take us deeper into your story tonight. Would it capture our hearts in, in new and invigorating ways? Do a good work in us this evening, I pray. Amen. John 20 verses 24 to 31 reads like this. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. He was not with the other apostles when Jesus came back. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So just to give you a little bit of context, this, is, uh, this all takes place in obviously the Gospel of John. And John sort of is beginning to wrap up things here. And he goes to this story of the, of the, the revealed, resurrected Christ, uh, Christ revealing himself to his disciples. And he takes us through this story of Thomas and Thomas uh, who just hears this story from his friends who he's been journeying with he's like he just misses out on the this resurrection appearance he misses out on this encounter with Christ and he says no 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 I I can't I I, I can't submit myself to that again I can't buy into that story again I, I until I see the marks in his hands until I see the wound in his side until I'm able to touch him I I just I can't I can't subscribe to what it is you're telling me and John uses this story in his gospel, and you can see in that in those last two verses, he, he, he points towards the power uh, of testimony. He says, you know, so, you know, I don't have time to write about all the that you would know and so that you could know this story so that you could learn from it, so that you too can believe in Jesus the Christ. And so he kind of uses the story as a little bit of a crutch to go, hey, hey, trust what is said. Trust the stories that are told. And I think because of this story, we have this apostle called Thomas who's left with a a pretty gnarly rap, you know? In fact, uh, all through church history, Thomas has had a particular nickname. Anyone know what that nickname is? Oh, we all know, eh? 
Doubting Thomas. Has anyone ever been called a Doubting Thomas? Hey, did anyone grow? <laughs> oh. oh, Christian school. Yeah, of course. Those teachers, eh? Oh, man. You Doubting Thomas. And so we have this guy lumped with this, this title that's kind of carried him. And I, I think it's pretty hard because actually in the wake of this event, you know, Thomas actually went on to do a bunch of really incredible things, like all of the apostles. Um, Thomas, uh, alongside uh, a guy called Bartholomew, um, they, were, they were sort of tasked with the mission of taking the gospel to Persia and to India. And so they, they sort of traveled in the wake of the resurrection. They, the apostles split up and went their different ways and took the gospel where they needed it to go. And how he ends up traveling through Persia, ends up uh, planting a whole bunch of churches, being really significant through there, ends up in India, establishes the Church of St. Thomas um, and a whole bunch of stuff around him. And like he ends up becoming the patron saint of India. So incredibly influential. Um, he ended up actually uh, eventually being martyred in India uh, by spear, which is a pretty rough way to go and also pretty ironic given that he is uh, touching a spear wound right there on Jesus. I don't know if you want to read into that too poetically or not, but, but he ends up being martyred for the faith, an incredible, incredible man of faith who, who actually had a significant impact in seeing the gospel carried into the rest of the world. And um, um, here's a little bit of a fun fact just while I was researching this week. Um, but, but in Paraguay, uh, there was uh, there were some tribes that missionaries went to, and uh, these missionaries started talking uh, talking to them about Jesus. And these tribes said, "Oh no, we've actually we've already know this story. It was given to us by uh, Pai Toma, Father Thomas. Uh, the Apostle Thomas has or, was already with us, you know, decades, uh, uh, <laughs> millennia ago, ages ago." So there's no evidence whatsoever that Thomas really ever went to Paraguay, but people arrived in Paraguay with the gospel and there's sort of this like, oh no, we've already encountered him. Like we're, uh, we've already encountered Jesus through the, the things that Thomas has told us. So there's like this, there's actually this legend of Thomas that kind of far, uh, far sort of outweighs and outshines the things that we actually know for sure that he did. So anyway, that's a little side fun, fun fact. I found that, does anyone else find that interesting? Oh yeah, yeah. No other, but no other, like factual basic for. But anyway, anyway, it was, I just, I just thought that was a, was really funny. But all of this to say is that this, this moment of doubt that's really being cast as, as a sort of shadow over the apostle Thomas, this, this, this moment of, of, of weakness and of hurt that he speaks from, it doesn't disqualify him or exclude him from the kingdom story, not one bit. It's not like this thing happened and Jesus was like, well, you didn't believe. So actually all these other guys, well, Judas already betrayed me. So what's another one lopped off the list? You know, I can work with 10. We can still do, you know, it's like that doesn't happen. But no, Thomas actually goes on to continue to ca carry the story. So it's a, so all of that to say, we can take something from this. He has something uh, uh, special and important to show us. And I think it's because it's actually a really, it's a really human story. For the most part, I think actually a lot of us would read this little bit in, in the Gospel of John and, and actually uh, the just believing part is actually the harder thing. I know when I look at Thomas, it's like, oh man, I think that I, think that I have moments of doubt and I have moments of hurt and uncertainty. And at times I far more resonate with that experience than I do with the one of like just believing. Anyone else feel that way? 
Yeah, there you go. Like one or two hands. Man, we got a faithful room here tonight, people. Mm-mm. And so here's what I want to do. Here's what I would love to do this evening as we, as we, we work with this story a little bit. I want us to enter uh, a, like an empathy for Thomas. I want us to look a little bit more at, at, at the Apostle Thomas. Um, and as we do that, I also want us to enter sort of a, a reflection for ourselves. So as we kind of look at this person, let's also look for ourselves in the story a little bit. And let's, and let's sort of prayerfully be aware of what it is that God might want to do in us this evening. As we, in particular, journey towards the communion table. I would love for you to just be sort of prayerfully aware of what it is God might be doing in you this evening. And so to enter that empathy and to enter that space of reflection, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into a couple other instances in the Gospel of John, um, and we're just going to get to know Thomas a little bit and a few things about him, and a few things about him that, that, that really just strike me, and I think will bring us back to this story towards the end in a much different light. So my first thought is this. Oh, those aren't my slides. The next one? There you go. My first thought is this, is that Thomas is loyal. You know, Thomas first speaks in the Gospel of John in in chapter 11, verse 16, when Lazarus has recently died, Judea, uh, because there are a bunch of Jews there who are attempting to stone Jesus. So they're actually, they're they're a little bit afraid. And so I'm just going to read to you, starting starting from a little bit before... uh, in verse 5, uh, chapter 11. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. But Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking an actual rest and sleep. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. That's Thomas's response. So when all the other apostles are like, why would we want to go back somewhere where Jesus is going to get stoned? And that probably means by proxy that something will happen to us as well. Thomas is like, no, no, no. Jesus, if that's where you're going to go, I want to go. Let, like, we should go with you, and I'm willing to die with you. I'm willing to die for you. Like, Thomas is loyal. Like, he has bought into this story, hook, line, and sinker. Like, this is what he's about. And so it's something we can, we can be captivated by a little bit and begins to shift a little bit what, how we sort of view that moment of doubt. The next thing I sort of see in Thomas is that, is that he has a real, like, a, a real longing in his heart for this story and for the thing that uh, Jesus is doing. Speaking again, uh, Thomas speaking again in, J- in John 14, verses 5, uh, where Jesus has explained that he's going away to prepare a heavenly home and that one, way, uh, one day his disciples would get to join him. And Jesus says this, uh, starting, uh, starting in Chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house in many rooms. If it were not so, would I have come and told you to go, that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, but how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Lord, we don't know. We don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where you're going, but show me the way. This is the kind of, this is the kind of heart that Thomas has. Lord, I want to know. Go before me, lead the way, pave the path, do what you have to do. But I, I want to know. I want to know what I have to do. I want to know what I have to do to follow you. Show me what it is. Like there is, there is a real desire in this, in this young man to know the way of Christ and to move towards Christ in all that he does. This is the kind of person Thomas was. We're talking about someone who, who gave up everything to follow Jesus into his ministry. We're talking about someone who was about the kingdom of God and the things that Jesus was up to. This is the kind of person the apostle Thomas was. Because of this, because of the way he was loyal, because, of, because of he had sold, it, sold himself into this thing, because he was willing to die for it, because he was asking, asking questions and saying, I want to know the way. I want to know this thing that you're about. I want to know it more. And we see that Thomas, Thomas is loving. Thomas loves Jesus. And I think if we can see that Thomas was loving, then we can enter into that, that story we read at the beginning, the doubting Thomas moment. We can enter into that story with a new kind of empathy. I think when we, when we see and recognize Thomas as someone who is loving, who deeply loves Jesus, we see that the death and loss of Christ is deeply painful. Have you ever lost someone you loved? Like that's a hard thing to carry. You know, have, you ever been, have you ever been like really hurt by someone that you love? That's a hard thing to bear. Like our human response when things happen to our loved ones or by our loved ones or when something goes wrong in our life, we, we respond with some kind of emotion. That's, that's part of what it means to be human. We, we feel things deeply. Who feels things? There's like four of us here. So, I mean, we feel things. We were like, you know? There are things that happen that, that hurt us or things that we thought were going to work out and they don't and we're completely stumped or we're completely confused and it's like, I thought this thing was going to, I thought this thing was going to happen and it didn't. We feel things, especially when we're attached to them, when we love them. And so when I look at this story, when I come back to the story of, of the apostles coming to Thomas and telling him this thing, I think I, think I see a real hurt. And I think I see an insecurity and a, and a pain. I think, you know, Thomas, Thomas loved Jesus. And I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to say things that the Scriptures don't say. So, but I do think in, in entering into, into a moment of empathy, it's like, it's like putting yourself in the shoes of Thomas. When you have longed to know the way and you have given yourself to this cause and to the spread of this message and to seeing the kingdom coming in and to, and to probably being incredibly excited seeing Jesus arrive into Jerusalem on the back of this donkey and imagine all these things that you would have seen and then seeing this person who has been your rabbi and your teacher and your friend and your king 
Imagine seeing him crucified and buried. What would that do to you? Is trauma too strong a word? I don't know. But I think that there is a real hurt and an insecurity and a pain. And what are the questions that, that, that might begin to arise up? So the apostles, you know, they come, the, the, they come to him. <laughs> they say to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. Does anyone here get FOMO? Like what happened? Uh, like I've honestly thought about this all week. What was Thomas doing that all of the other apostles got to see Jesus? And he, like, did he pop out to pick up milk? Like, like halfway back, you know, halfway back, and and then he kind of gets back and hey guys, you know, I picked up a you know, kind of stopped to grab a coffee as well. And it's like if you hadn't stopped to grab that coffee, Thomas, you would have seen Jesus. Man, I can, uh, uh, once again, like, I don't want to project something onto him, but I, entering the experience, it's like, would you, would you have questions? Like, what, why didn't I get to see him? Why did everyone else? Am I unworthy? Is there something, something wrong with me? Was I, what, was I not worth waiting for? Like, would Jesus not have waited to see me as well? Or why haven't I seen him yet? I don't know, for me, like those kinds of questions come into play. But it seems to me that for Thomas, there is a very real sense of hurt, a sense of loss that was being experienced in this moment. And so let us just, with, with a little bit with that in mind, let us enter into the story once more. So picking up from... Uh, John 20 again, picking up from verse 25. So when the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, he said to them, unless I see his hands, uh, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. something different kind of come out in that story for you just just thinking about Thomas differently having just observed just a couple little windows we have into the kind of person that he was I want to point some other things out to you that you that you might not you might not even think about as we look at this story because he has this response right I've lost my king I've lost my rabbi I've lost my friend you guys are telling me something I don't know i I don't know why I wasn't there or why it didn't happen for me, but for whatever reason, I cannot subscribe to what you're telling me to uh, what you're telling me right now. And the only way I can is if Jesus puts Himself right in front of me, and not just that I see Him, but I need I need to be able to touch. I need to put my fingers into the wounds. I need to know that it was the same guy that was crucified, and that died and went into that tomb. I need to know because what you're telling me right now, I just have no paradigm for, no reference point for. I can't can't wrap my head around that. There's no part of me that can buy into that story but I want to point to some things that you might not see because Thomas 
Thomas is actually really present. He doesn't gap out and leave the disciples. He doesn't sort of go, you know what? I, tr- I, I bought into this Jesus thing. And now what you're saying, it's not only that I, that I can't, can't subscribe to it, but I'm actually done with it. I'm wiping my hands of this. I want nothing to do with you guys. We all bought into the wrong thing later and disappears. He doesn't do that. He stays with them. He stays in the community in his brotherhood with these people that he's known, that he's been through uh, pain with, that he's been through loss with, he stays, he's present to them. It says he's with them for eight days, right? He does not depart from this thing that he's known. I think he was present enough that, that he could recognize Jesus. So when Jesus stands before him, what does he say? My Lord and my God. My king, both my earthly king and my heavenly king. My Lord and my God, you are, you are before me. He was able to recognize that. And he was completely in that space to acknowledge both the divinity and the humanity of the resurrected Christ in that moment. But that happened because Thomas was present. You know, sometimes if you think, if we think, if we begin to reflect a little on our own experience, the temptation is when something is hard, when something is painful, when something's hurting, when something depresses us, when circumstances feel like too big or too hard for us, what do we tend to do? Our, our gut instinct is to, is to not only reject, but depart. I need to get a, as far away from that as possible. You know, like one of the things I've been, you know, I, I love traveling and I, I love when people get to go have OEs, but sometimes I'll sit down with someone and they're like, you know, I'm moving to London. And I'll be like, man, that's awesome. That sounds great. And then other times people will be like, I'm moving to London. And I'm like, what are you running away from? You know, oh, you, you, you know, I've just been dumped and work's not that great and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, it's like actually when things get too hard, we have this temptation. We, we want to run. We want to get as far away from that. And in church, it's, 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 it's no different. Our temptation so often is to run from God. And not just run from God, but run from community. But despite the pain of what Thomas is going through, what does he do? He stays. Thomas is present to these people who have been a significant part of his life. And even though they've just experienced this great thing and they're over... Imagine sitting for eight days and they're just all buzzing because they've seen Jesus for like, a, you know. There would be so much conversation about it and you'd be like, guys, you suck. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so, I'm so happy for all of you, but I don't get the thing that you've got. When do I get to have the thing, you know? Blah. But, but, but Thomas doesn't depart. He stays in the context of community. And I think that's a really important thing for us to to be aware of. But likewise, let's talk about the other apostles. The apostles are present to Thomas as well. They stay with him. They don't go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just said you you need to believe what we're saying to you. Otherwise, you're out of the club, mate. You know, you're done. Either accept what we're saying right now or, you know, that's it. That's, that's, that's not the experience. But for eight days, Thomas is still with them and they are around him. How, how important is it to be surrounded by community, by people that love you when you're hurting? How important is it to know that people just will sit with you in the stuff that's kind of going on, in your doubt, 
in your fear, in your insecurity, in your frustration. That's an important thing to be aware of. So it's not just that Thomas is present to his community, but that it is that his community is present to him. And it's such an important thing for us as a church to be aware of, for us as a community of people, for, for just us as individuals. When someone is hurting, when someone is lacking, when someone is stretched to the, to the edge, what's the simplest thing we can do? Hey, how can I be present to you? Can I sit with you? Can I listen? Can I give you space to, to just talk about what's going on? People can, you know, sometimes people will tell you things and it's like, man, I've got no reference for that. And, you know, that kind of thing would never happen to me or something, you know? It's like, but actually the importance of just being able to give them the experience of community, to be present to the other person. So the, the apostles are present to Thomas in this time as well. So we can presume, I think, looking at this story, that he was surrounded by love even though his experience was so vastly different to what the rest of them had experienced. I think that that is a safe uh, presumption to make. He was included as they sat around waiting. And then my third thought is this, is that, is that Jesus is really present in this story. So we know that this is like kind of a strange time between between the resurrection and the ascension, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of different resurrection experiences kind of going on and things are a little bit different. But Jesus has already appeared. He's appeared to the apostles. And I think that, that he is not unaware of or indifferent to or criticizing of Thomas's experience. I think God being God is very aware of what is going on. And so Jesus shows up and he does not disqualify Thomas in any way. He does not exclude him. He doesn't even, really, it doesn't even really scold him, to be honest. But what does he say? He makes himself fully present to Thomas in this moment. Look, see, touch, put your, put your hand here. Put your, put your hands here. You know, like just in this, in this piece of art. It's not just like the spiritual encounter. It's a deeply physical one. It's a very like holistic moment. Jesus is wholly present before Thomas. Jesus makes all of himself available in this moment. Jesus, my Lord and my God, is right there before me. Jesus is not unaware or not indifferent to the things that are going on. And sometimes it just feels like God is so far out of the picture, so far away. And we ask ourselves the question, well, why, wouldn't, why wasn't God there? When this thing happened, where was he? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and this thing didn't happen. Where was God? Why wasn't he there? Like Those are questions that we have. But Jesus is not indifferent to those things. He's not unaware of those things. He is fully aware of that pain and he is... He is fully willing to meet us in that. As I was thinking about this this week, I just, I just was reminded of this Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, Clairvaux thought, which I so love, and it's this. Uh, Jesus draws near so that we love him and pulls away so that we will long for him. There's this sense that, that actually when it feels like God's not around, it's like that's, that's really a time to, to be aware of and to, and to turn into that sense of longing, to actually be willing to say, God, I actually I just really want you. 
My heart longs for you. Jesus is never gone. God is never gone. But he is fully present to the experience of whatever it is that we're feeling. And so, as we enter into this sort of empathetic experience of Thomas, I just want to sort of ask, want to ask you to just quietly reflect as well, what's in it for you? When we look at the story, the story of Thomas and, and this, this moment in particular, and we see that, that Thomas was really present to the apostles, that he was present to his community despite his sense of separation and his uncertainty and his doubt. And we see how the apostles were around him, that they stuck around. And we see that Jesus, you know, Jesus does come and he, and he, he wholly affirms the power of testimony. And that's, and that's what John in his gospel is trying to point to. It's like Jesus affirms this, this thing of testimony. But Jesus just asked the question, have you, have you seen because you have believed? Have you seen because you have believed? I'm not. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to say, like, I don't just want to like, once again, project things onto Thomas, but it's like, I think the sense you get from him when you, when you look at the stories and you look at what he went on to do and all these sorts of things, I don't think that it was that he didn't believe. It was just that there was just too much pain and too much stuff going on for him to, to really like submit himself to, to just what someone was telling him. He was like, oh, man, I need something more. I need something more hopeful, more powerful, more meaningful, more tangible right in front of me. Like, and I think that that's like a very real, very normal, very human thing. To, to feel sometimes. We sort of see ourselves in this. What does it look like for us to be present to community? What does it look like uh, for us to allow or for, or for us to look for opportunities to, to be present to others? And what does it look like to just let Jesus be present to us and, and where do we find him in that? And so what I want to do is we sort of just reflect on this and, and I just deliberately, I just wanted to have this photo up just or this image up just the whole time. But what I want to do is, is I want to move into a time of communion and just as you do, I want, I just want to think about, I want to invite you to think about where you place yourself in this story. Are you one of the disciples that feels like you've seen Jesus lately, that, you've, that you're real close, that it's, that it's kind of all good? Or are you in that place of just like sort of longing and feeling a little bit distant and separated? Does it feel like, or do you have questions like, man, well, where was God? Why, why wouldn't God? Why, why God? You know, like, do those kinds of things, like what sort of questions pop up for you as you reflect on this? And then just as you're ready, I want to invite you to move to the communion table. Why do I think communion is a good way to finish the message like this? I think communion is the best way of creating space for presence and to be present to God and to one another. This is what the communion table was about. All were invited to it. It's a moment of drawing in, of inviting, of holding and of loving. Um, and regardless of where you're at, regardless of, of what, what sort of thing you're sitting in at the moment, what, what experience you're in, it's like the, the invitation to the table is open to you. The invitation was still open to Thomas, regardless of the fact that he hadn't seen or was struggling to believe. The invitation was still there. Jesus was still willing to put himself in front of Thomas and say, here, look, see, touch, feel, know. 
that was still there for Thomas. And it's still there for us. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.